I actually was, at the time, the youngest chartered accountant in the UK at the age of 21. There were hard times. I knew deep down that it was just a hard time to go through. And if I wanted to have my career and have the kids, then I just had to keep going. When we went for our 20-week scan, we were actually told that I'd had a virus called cytomegalovirus. They said your baby could be severely disabled. Because we had to provide for people, we pushed ourselves more. And I think we've achieved more in 10 years than potentially we could have or would have without children. This month, we are delighted to have Sarah Oluwala on our podcast. Sarah is the Chief Operating Officer of Lumen Wealth. Lumen Wealth is a financial advisory and investment management firm with £1 billion of assets under management. Lumen is definitely a firm that is going places. Even its reviews on Glassdoor say that it is a firm that is excellent in every way. And that has been, in many ways, down to Sarah, who has now been at Lumen for more than a decade. Now, Full disclosure, Lumen Wealth is a client of mine, but having got to know Sarah recently, I was inspired by her journey from accountant at Deloitte to someone who I'm led to believe will one day take over Lumen. When I heard she also juggles this with two children who are now seven and nine, and a husband who has set up his own thriving business, I thought we must get her on our podcast. So Sarah, welcome. Please, can we start by taking you back to the beginning and your first interest in numbers? Did you always want to be an accountant? Well, thank you for having me and thank you for such a lovely introduction. Hearing your um, welcome back to yourself is sounds inspiring just to hear it. So hopefully I can do some justice to that story. Um, I've always had an interest in numbers. It was always the um, passion that I had at school and I always knew that I would do something like that. Um, I got my first role at Deloitte, as you mentioned, actually at the age of 18. They were running a pilot scheme looking for somebody straight out of A-levels to join them and do an apprenticeship. And um, at the time, I was at a school where going to university was probably the only route for most people. And I had the grades and I definitely had the ambition and... It was something that I looked at, but actually when I got the opportunity to go to Deloitte, um, I snapped it up. So I found myself at 18 years old in London, trained to be a chartered accountant with all the other university grads. And it definitely taught me a lot from the beginning. Gosh, so 18, I feel like so long ago. <laughs> yeah. I don't even remember, but who prompted you to apply for that? Because often definitely... there's, a, there's a bit of a driver. Yes, yeah, it was definitely my dad. Um, and obviously I've ended up working with him, which has been fantastic anyway. Um, when the opportunity came up, I think at 18, 17, 18, you can't really grasp the magnitude of an opportunity like that. Um, and so obviously when he helped me to really understand what that would mean for my career, what that would mean for my CV and the experience that I would get, he really pushed me to make sure that I, I went for it and I got the role, which was really good. And is he an accountant? No, so he's been a financial advisor now for 30 more, 30 odd years. Um, and growing up, I used to spend my half terms doing his admin, basically, probably even from the age of eight or nine. I would spend my summer holidays in his office, helping him with filing or client client work or um, just general paperwork and admin. So a lot of the terminology that I now use in my day to day, I actually have known it long before that. 
And lots of people often say to me, I can't believe you've only been here 10 years. And I say, no, well, I've had probably 20 or 30 years, actually, of being in a financial advisor's office and understanding how we work, what we do, some of the abbreviations, financial language. I knew it from when I was a bit younger as well. And I think going into a sort of a career at 18 is a really brave step, but also a really sensible one. I have a bit of um, knowledge about this because that's what my brother did. So he went and joined KPMG as an accountant at 18. Um, And in some senses, it's great, but it's also like six years of commitment. Was that the same? So I was quite lucky. Um, When they did the pilot scheme, they have amended it now that it is about six years, but I was put on a fast track. So I actually was at the time the youngest chartered accountant in the UK at the age of 21. Oh, that's Ooh. amazing. We yeah. should have led with that in the intro. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I did my, my the, the qualifications where I did AAT levels three and four. It, I think normally they take a couple of years, but they pushed me through. I did them in about nine months. And then I did my ACA, which is Chartered Accountancy. And I did that in two years. Wow. So it was really, really quite intense. Yeah. Gosh, that's amazing. So what was what was the reason you didn't want to go to university and you didn't want that experience how did you make up your mind at that age well I think at the time um some of it was driven by the fact that my now husband but I have been with my husband since I was 15 as well which is um a bit unusual I think these days yeah (laughs) um but he was at a university in London and we were quite um solid at that age anyway and I really like the idea of having a job I really like the idea of pushing myself forward in a career and actually it wasn't too much to do with him I'm, he would call me quite independent I wouldn't say any of my decisions probably I consider him too much in most of them um, I was quite strong-willed at the time um, but it was definitely the best thing that I ever did it was definitely and how long were you at Deloitte I was at Deloitte for about four and a half years um, so I qualified, I got to manager level and I specialised in um, pension scheme audit and asset valuations, um, investment asset valuations, which obviously gave me the foundation now to be in wealth management and financial advice. So thankfully, I knew pensions inside out by the time I left. Um, so, again, I, if I didn't already have some knowledge of it, I was fully grounded in that industry was that a tactical plan or was that a happy coincidence that you ended up? It was a happy coincidence, actually. Um, it was quite a nice area of audit to be in because it was quite short audits. Um, used to travel around the country a lot, um, usually at the drop of a pin. Um, Sunday night, you'd be told tomorrow you've got to be in Sheffield for 8am and off you went for the week, packed up. So, yeah, there was a lot of travelling around, um, a lot of long hours, as you can imagine, but really, really good, good experience. So what was the driver for leaving Deloitte? I think... With big four firms, generally, once people have qualified, they look to move to go into other industries. Um, As you know, they take huge intakes in. So um, the move upwards um, obviously is quite competitive. And some people that I know have stayed and continued on that path. Um, But the opportunity came up to actually work with my dad. Um, He had partnered up with another director that I still work with who had been an M&A in the city and they were looking to take effectively a startup business, which was my dad and a couple of admin people to a much larger scale. Um, And it was an opportunity that I was just really excited about and felt that I wanted to get involved in. That is super exciting. And to cut into the kind of into the personal, because I know now you've been at Lumen for for a decade, as I mentioned in the intro, but at what point did you 
decide to have a family was that always part of the plan and and did you build that into those kind of career decisions we weren't structured in the way that we some people can be put it that way I think um we knew that we wanted kids um I had been working with my dad and John for maybe six to nine months when I found out I was pregnant and I was over the moon um but I uh, equally I'd come from a corporate structure with a fantastic maternity pay to start our business with my dad so that did um pose some challenges in terms of what the next steps were um but it was the right timing for us obviously and, and that's how it went so there was that a planned decision did you always want children always wanted children and I always yeah. wanted them quite young so I was I was 23 when I had my son oh wow yeah you were really young <laughs> it's oh, yeah, it's young, Sarah. <laughs> yeah because you started your career so early <laughs> I know well that's the thing I never felt that young you know because I'd done four or five years at Deloitte by that point so you know that that obviously it just you don't feel as now I, I look back and it does feel quite young but that's how old I was at the time and presumably you were in an eight-year relationship by then as well <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah you're like slightly old before your time Sarah yes we were slightly old before our time definitely so yeah. so going into your kind of first child I guess not ideal timing in some respects because you'd obviously just started this new venture um, no. how how did it go down at work I, I expect kind of granddad to be was delighted well I mean I suppose the point of this is to be open and transparent for women listening but what I'd, what actually um, happened was I'd fallen pregnant by chance and we'd had a miscarriage I'm sorry to hear that no that's okay it was quite early on and um, it was unexpected to the pregnancy but that triggered some emotions and feelings of actually this is what we really want and we really did want that we had actually told all our families at the time and so we had to kind of unwind from that situation so actually when we then fell pregnant with my son um actually you know it was warm embrace and they knew that we we understood what we were doing and it was a good move forward but I think yes in terms of timing of my career and timing of our you know that was that was hard. That was a tough time because really in the thick of us both growing our careers and wanting to push forward ambitiously. And how did that work in a startup company? I mean, you mentioned with De- De- Deloitte and the like, there's sort of a lot of structure in place for how you take leave and how it all works and your return and everything, and presumably very different in a, a startup environment. How how did that sort of work from a structural perspective? So interestingly, my role changed a lot from what I thought it would be when I joined my dad. Um Originally, I'd gone in to train as a financial advisor, and I did train as a financial advisor when I joined, um, because it was kind of following the family footsteps, and I've got the financial background, and I could talk to people, so that felt like a really natural path for me. But actually, on arriving, having come from a very structured corporate background with fantastic governance and experience under my belt, actually, quite quickly, I found myself naturally in an operational role. I was naturally doing all of the accounting, all of the regulatory compliance. Naturally, I was setting up processes and procedures, hiring people, unfortunately, firing people, recruitment. You know, I really had a handle on all of the operational side of it. Um, And so in that sense, 
that became my role and actually that's been the making of the three of us John myself and um, my dad who's called Martin because we all had very different areas of the business that we were masters of our own so there wasn't too much overlap but when it came to then maternity leave obviously I was running a, a, a site a, quite a large side, side of the business um, and so to put it bluntly maternity leave was short <laughs> <laughs> because um, we didn't have the resources to hire anybody else or any, nobody else really knew the business like I did. You couldn't really hire for a role like that. So um, it was pretty short. I think I was, well, I, yeah, I think I was back to um, some form of working within about eight weeks with childcare. And what was your childcare set up to make that work? So we had a nanny and she was fantastic and um, that worked really well uh, for a while, but she also fell pregnant so we moved to um a nursery and then um, I wasn't very happy with the nursery so we moved to another nursery and then we ended up with a nanny and nursery combination and I think that's that's one of my tips I give to um other mums working mums that I know is not to be afraid of changing your child your childcare arrangements or um I think when they're little, people worry about upsetting them or they've got used to a nursery and how are they going to be in a new setting? But I think if you know it's not right, then you've just got to keep moving them and eventually you find the right thing. And that is better for them in the long term is my is my advice on that. I think that's that's actually really helpful to hear, because I think um, women that we speak to often get quite fixated on what their childcare arrangements are which you can understand because it's obviously hugely important and mm. allows them to go back to work. And they're also, it's also who is responsible for their little precious baby. Um, so you can totally understand it. But actually, in my experience, we've also had loads of different iterations. So we've had nursery, nanny, um, combo of both, we've got, got at the moment, um, preschool, possible new preschool school da, 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 da. and so over the course of sort of five years before they actually go to school you do go through these lots of different iterations depending on circumstance um you know nanny gets pregnant or nanny resigns or um the the nursery isn't working etc etc your your needs change um and actually that's it isn't it's no bad thing i think what i've learned is children are quite resilient little ones particularly um, so I think it's quite helpful to hear that. Yes, I think, well, now both my kids are in school. So thankfully, it's not something we have to think about too much now. But definitely, it was that was probably one of the hardest struggles was thinking if they were in the right place. And then that sometimes that decision being taken out of your hands, like a nanny that you love, and then she 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 can't be there anymore. So, and then having to move. So, um, but no, we we did well. We we uh, we also had child mind. We've had child minders. We've had nurseries. <laughs> we've had preschools. We've done we've done a whole range of them, and um, they can't remember any of them. <laughs> I did ask them today. I said, "Do you remember going to that preschool?" And they went, "No, not really." And I and I said, "No, they don't remember them. They are all happy and fine, and um, yeah, and and they're always happy to see you at the end of the day." So that's kind of so puts it in context, doesn't it? They don't remember. No. <laughs> what? So so when you went back at eight weeks did you go back full time how did that look like in terms of the return to work no I was trying to remember that and actually that part is quite hazy um I think for the first year I was probably in about three days three or four days so I was sort of on maternity leave but equally I was just supporting the business in that time we grew staff numbers I think from 
four or five to into the double digits. So I was still sort of, rec- I was HR recruitment. I was still kind of covering all those bases. Um, and it was, it was, it was really tough. I mean, I was working nights, I was running payroll. If I didn't press go on payroll, people didn't get paid, you know, whilst I was doing night feeds and everything else, um, keeping up with regulation. It was, a t- it was, it was, a, it was a hard year, um, but it was good. You know, I learned a lot and um, I wouldn't change it so what what gave I'm really interested what gave you that drive because I would say to put it in context I'm pretty ambitious and when I get pregnant and have a baby <laughs> but like my hormones kind of take over and sometimes that ambition <laughs> sometimes gets put on a back burner um and I feel like a lot that happens to a lot of women so I'm just interested to know what the drive was for um because obviously you're you're driven before you 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 get pregnant and you're still that same person but sometimes the hormones that are flowing through you at eight weeks are difficult to combat so what gave you the drive to be like no I am going back to work and I am gonna smash this I think I think probably for me I'd come so fresh out of all of my qualifications and I'd come so fresh out of just the qualifications I'd I'd done I sat my last um exam to be a financial advisor when I'd just fallen pregnant so it was really knew and I had all these skills and I and I was fired up ready to go and as I said the way that we fell pregnant I still had that drive I still knew I wanted to push forward and I just believed that I could do both so I did like it just was how it how it happened and I think what also helped was seeing the business moving so quickly being involved in so many of the projects the the thing that we all worry about when we're out of the business for a period of time is will it leave you behind and I think that's a big worry when you go on maternity leave which is I don't want the business to leave me behind and and ultimately it doesn't I've had people go on maternity leave for a year they come back and they're still flying and it doesn't you don't get left behind at all but I think because I was back into that zone I was getting the emails every day you know I was right back into my headspace of work um I didn't really have a choice either other than to make sure it didn't all fall apart and when you reflect back on it that time that you were away, you know, albeit brief, did you enjoy that time off? Was it still, did you enjoy that eight weeks? Was How did how did you find it? Were you just missing being at work? What was your sort of... I think my two um, maternity leaves were slightly different. I think with my first, I, I was quite um, active. I was quite active with my first maternity leave. I would be up out walking with the pram. I didn't enjoy necessarily doing the nesting at that time. I wasn't nesting at home and um, I I wanted to be out of the house walking. I had NCT friends and a social life around that. And I enjoyed um, being out most of the day Um, compared to when I had my daughter. I definitely had a hot cup of tea and a sleeping baby next to me and I didn't go out of the house as much. That first time round, I was quite active getting out of the house and seeing people and wanting to get up and put my makeup on every day and put some clothes on and feel like I was still myself. And out of interest, when you did go back, did you have a negative reaction from anyone? I mean, Joy and I have both talked about that before. People saying, oh, you're going back so soon. Are you leaving your baby with a nanny or in the nursery? Did you experience that? Yeah, I think generally... I think you're right. You do experience that. For me, it was the older generation of women, um, which is kind of as expected. And um, thankfully, it was just water for ducks back. Didn't take it to heart. What kind of messages were you getting 
from that generation was it was it just oh gosh you only get this time once yes it was things like what what could be more important than being at home with the baby um you know yet you only get this time once enjoy it while it lasts um a general feeling of why would you want to have a baby but then give the baby to somebody else so quickly um but at the same time I didn't I didn't ever let that weigh on my mind too much because I really was enjoying the time I was having with my son. I was enjoying every minute with him and I was really enjoying being a mum and I was enjoying the new dynamic for us as a family. And equally, I was loving what was happening at work and I felt really involved in that and having the flexibility obviously in those early days. It is a bit strange looking back to think I was back in that sort of hybrid position really quickly, but it meant that I felt happy with that I was happy with that situation so it worked for me I think it's great at age 23 24 that you had that sort of self-confidence to know that this was good for you and so no matter what anyone would say to you actually you know you were you knew that you were making the right decision for you and your family because even now you know I, I know we're sort of nine nine ten years on um but there's lots of you still get lots of comments on that basis and you know gosh you only get this moment once and all that kind of stuff and um for women who love their job and love their career and are ambitious to take on more etc um it, I mean what it's one of the reasons we set up the podcast was to hear from women like you who are saying actually um no I want I wanted my career I wanted to be in the heart of it I loved it I love my children but I also love my career yeah and and I and I, I look back now obviously with rose tinted glasses and say I was excited about what's happening at work and there were hard times naturally there was times when I had deadlines and I was at home and it was late but you know I, I knew yeah deep down that it was just a hard time to go through and if I wanted to have my career and have the kids then I just had to keep going it wasn't going to be long it's just a year, couple of years just a couple of years and then you're through it and what's the age gap between the two is it three years it's two years they're born almost two years apart exactly both December babies so um yeah, obviously March must be a lucky month for us. <laughs> <laughs> and was the second one planned? Did that work well from a timing perspective? I guess you'd probably been back at work kind of for over a year and a half. Yes. Yeah. So almost soon after we had uh, my son, I did really, I knew I wanted to have another baby. I knew I wanted to have two. Um, and so we started trying and I think we fell pregnant within about six months, not six months of having him, but from deciding to try to have a baby. So it was a little bit longer. Um, and yeah, she was planned. And um, yeah. And what was the experience like going off that time? Was it similar or? Um, it was slightly different. Again, um, with my daughter, when we went for our 20 week scan, um, we were actually told that um, I'd had a virus called cytomegalovirus. They found it in my booking bloods and it was a strain of the flu that if a pregnant woman contracted it, then your child would be severely disabled, um, deaf, dumb, quadriplegic, not going to use arms and legs, but they would live. Oh, my God. And yeah, as you can imagine, that was it was um, really, really hard news to hear. Um, and we were encouraged at that time to have a termination immediately at 20 weeks. And I can't really describe, I mean, what actually happened was we told our parents, but when we realised the kind of, uh, the seriousness of the situation, um, 
we actually then a week later told them it was all fine. They'd made a mistake so that we could make the decision ourselves on what we wanted to do, because obviously most some some of our family thought the right thing to do was to terminate the baby. And we weren't sure that was what we wanted to do. Um, so we went to a specialist in Harley Street and they weren't able to tell us much either. They said your baby probably will be deaf and dumb and might have some of the of the cytomegalovirus. It was really, really one of the toughest times. I can't even tell you how hard that was because not only was it us, but it was like we already have a child and they were sort of saying to us, you know, probably a good idea to get a car with a ramp so you can put the baby in. They'll have it or when they grow, they'll have wheelchair, things like that. So for 20 weeks, we lived going to the hospital every week and I learned a lot about CMV and I learned a lot about the mothers that have had children with CMV. And it was a really, really tough reality that we had to face. So I had my daughter via C-section um, because of the virus and we were put into quarantine, which was all of our midwives were in effectively sort of beekeeper outfits, you know, fully, fully quarantined from us because they didn't want to catch the virus and pass it on to another mother. And they prepared us to go to Great Ormond Street with our daughter for the first six months of her life for antivirals. And as you can tell in my story, we decided to go ahead. And I can't really describe to you why we decided to go ahead. We just felt in our hearts it was the right thing for us to do. Um, but after she was born, um, we had she had to go into testing for about 48 hours. So I had to remain in the hospital on my own with her while she was tested. And the doctor came in. It was about Christmas Eve, actually, and said to us that a miracle had happened and that my placenta had completely blocked the cytomegalovirus from touching my baby and that she was perfectly healthy and absolutely fine. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> I think this is the first time that I was in I've been in this. And I, I can tell you, my, we cried and cried and cried for a long, long time. And... Yeah, it was really, really tough. And it was only after that that our parents realised that we kept it from them because to protect them as well, just in case. And it was, it was, um, yeah, it was a really big thing to to overcome. You, you had you had four months planning for that situation and not being able to talk to your family about it. No, and um, we didn't, we we kept it in. It was, even for us as a couple, it was it was really stressful. It was really, really hard. I remember we, we found out it was the 10th of August and she was born in December, so it was it was a long period of the year. But um, I can't really describe. We, I think we just went into a bubble of, we'll just hope it'll be okay. And I couldn't believe when the doctor told us it was, I've never told you a feeling like that. You couldn't, you couldn't cry a thousand tears for the, I can't, how lucky we were and how, just how it had how it had turned out and obviously it could have gone the other way really easily and so she's yeah, that, she's absolutely fine she's absolutely fine she's absolutely fine that's unbelievable that level of relief must have just been um, incredible I think the question we said you know how could this have happened and they talked to us so much percentages you know there's 80 percent chance of deafness there's this much per chance and I said that you never talked to us about this chance and they said it was 0.01 so we never mentioned it to you because it was such a small chance of this ever happening. And we were that 0.01 that that happened. Oh my, oh my you're, gosh. You're so, you're so brave. Honestly, and I'm, I'm holding it together, but the amount of times that I've had to think about that story and I've just broken down, but 
she's seven now she's happy and healthy and yeah it was it was um different a different maternity cover but despite that I actually did <laughs> this is now going to sound really bizarre but obviously no one at work knew and I had booked in a c-section uh, on the 21st of December and I actually worked up to the 20th of December I worked up to three days before because it helped I was going to say helped, do you need to keep busy in some ways it helped to keep busy yeah. and I didn't tell anyone I had a season I just was like I'm having the baby next week I didn't really want to talk about it I was like it'll be fine and um yeah so I worked right up as well just to keep myself busy oh my goodness Sarah you're <laughs> that is one hell of a nine months to go through I mean, it's a hell of a lot to go through just as a normal mum. Yeah. But to go through it. And with a toddler. And with a toddler, yeah. And a full-time job, yeah, it was. But to go through it with that knowledge as well, it's just, I mean, it it's phenomenal. Yeah. Gosh. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean, what an incredible story. Just such, I mean, such hope you must have had. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's such an inspirational journey. The fact that you took that chance and you just had that gut feel that everything would be okay. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think just instinctively, I mean, we're we're on such a level and we just both instinctively felt that it was the right thing for us to do. And we we had accepted any outcome, but we both had this hope. We did. You're exact that's the exact word for it. We both had this hope this feeling that it was going to be okay, whatever it was, you know, and if, if our daughter did have CMV, then we had hope that that would be okay as well. Whatever the outcome would be, it would be okay. And obviously the outcome was more than we could have ever, ever hoped for ever. So yeah. It's incredible. And how long did you have off with her for maternity leave? So again, this is going to sound, obviously having just been through that, I was back to work again quite quickly. One week. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my miracle child. Just put in childcare. <laughs> You're a miracle. Bye. There's no, there's no judgment here. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was back about eight weeks. About eight weeks. I think it was about February time. I got made director on the 15th of December 2016, which was nine days before my daughter was born. No, I'm not pregnant. Oh my goodness. Yeah, amazing. Wow. So that really gave you the spur on to get back again. <laughs> Incentive to get straight back on it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Following that, I was back to work, but that had given us a completely different view on life. My husband had been in a corporate job. Um, he had been doing really long hours. So he was sort of out of the house early and coming back late. Um, and he'd been doing that for a while. And definitely with what happened with our daughter, it 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 definitely shone a light actually on just life it's just that how we had a different meaning you know it was like we'd won the life lottery and actually we just wanted to take a bit of a chance and so it was the February when I went back that I talked to him about leaving his job and starting up his own business and so that's exactly what he did he he went in the next day and he quit and worked his notice period and left his job Gosh, I can't, I can't believe how much went, has gone on in this like short space of time. So you've been promoted to director, which is amazing. And we should definitely go into a bit more detail about that, how you did that whilst kind of nine months pregnant. Um, you've had a, a baby, eight weeks, you've gone back to work full time. Um, it was more than before. I think I was probably in about three and a half, maybe four days. Definitely workloads worth, whether I was in the office or not, but workloads worth. Yeah. 
And then your husband also starts a new business. And what was that business? <laughs> so at the time, he had been working quite intensively through everything. And I, and I think at the time we saw it as maybe a, a slowing down. Um, he's always been into fitness. And the year before he'd done a fitness competition, which is like a physique competition. So he had been going to the gym round the clock as well. And, um, and he wanted to be a personal trainer. So we set up a, we had a, like a basement room in our house at the time that he set up as, as a studio. And his intention was to be a solo personal trainer and with some flexibility, he could be there for the children, he could work for himself and have a different balance of life. Um, he, within three months, he was fully booked. And about a month later, he found a property on the high street of where we lived. And within six months, he had a thriving business with four employees. So there wasn't really much slowing down for him at all. And um, and so I also was just supporting him in running a business, setting that up, the accounts and hiring people and all the stuff that goes with that. Goodness. That's a lot, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> and were you so were you both so both of you were working? Um, it, it sounds like quite long hours. Were you both kind of taking an equal burden um, in terms of the child's care side of it? Um, I think from that point, no. yes. I think when I had had just my son and then I was going into having my daughter, um, it was definitely more heavily on me. It, you know, he he wasn't able to help out and couldn't help out. And it, it, being new to being parents, it just wasn't something that I think crossed his mind in the way that it had to cross my mind. If I wanted to go to work, I had to get the childcare for it, however that looked whether that's calling in a favour from my mum or from a friend with kids. If I had to be at a meeting, I had to organise the care to get there. Um, and I think after having our second child, I think it really dawned on him, you know, how much I had been through in the pregnancy, obviously what we've been through with our daughter's medical journey, with being promoted to director. You know, I think at this point he knew that, you know, I wasn't going to let up on being ambitious. I wasn't going to slow down. And um, he really helped take the reins a lot on helping me with the kids in that time. Even with him, him training, he would always make sure he had time to help with any out of hours meetings or anything else that I needed um, and has continued to do so. So that's been really good. So going back to that promotion to director, how did that come about? Because people listening might be thinking of having a baby, um, but also wanting perhaps to take that next step in terms of the promotion as well. And you obviously did that whilst pregnant. So how how did you first raise that? Did they raise that with you? Um, it, presumably they had learned from your previous experience that you're very happy to kind of still crack on after having a baby. But it, it would be great to hear a bit more about that promotion step, particularly whilst pregnant. Back then, I wasn't as confident in myself and my skills as I am now. I think now I would have absolutely no problem asking for a role or a position or a salary. I wouldn't wouldn't question that now. At the time, it was something that I didn't even consider broaching. Um, being in a small business, the role of director felt very senior. And I think I was just doing my role I was enjoying growing the business and I, and I felt like a senior person in the business and it got um, brought up because we wanted to bring in an external director to the business 
um, and an external shareholder to come in and join the company. And it was at that time when they reflected on the business that actually they started future planning because obviously we were quite small and they looked to me and said, you already fulfill the role of a director in many ways. And I was invited to be a director that way. So your work was basically speaking for itself without you having to actually put your hand up. Yeah, Yeah. I think I was doing so much of the roles anyway. And actually with somebody else coming in from the side, they said it wouldn't feel right for that person to come in as a director if if I wasn't recognised in that role as well. So um, obviously that was really welcomed and and I was over the moon. Um, But like I said, now looking back on it, I didn't raise it because I just, I didn't have that confidence. But I think if I had raised it, I think it would, would have been well received or at least a plan would have been in place for me to be a director at that point. And through both your maternity leaves, obviously that that is a period of sort of three, three, four years where you've um, where the company's grown. Did the position on maternity leave and the policies that were put in place over that time change at all? The policies on maternity leave? Yeah. So you said at the beginning there kind of wasn't really a formal structure in place and it, it was a bit of a shock from your kind of previous corporate structure. Um, did you actually were you actually looking at a slightly different situation sort of three years later? Yes, definitely. I think even in the last couple of years, we've strengthened our um, maternity and paternity and adoption and all leave policies now. And anyone that works with me knows I'm a big supporter of of everyone, but I'm a big supporter of working mums, return to work mums. And um, I've tried to make sure that our policies reflect that as well. Um, We offer six months. If you've been with us for a certain number of years, six months full paid leave, um support in coming back to the office um support in your role you know I think it's really important that they feel that the company the message from the top is that we support people that want to have children um or people that want to have time with their children however that looks and there's still career opportunities available do you have any practical tips based on the challenges that you experienced when you went back for women who might be listening thinking of whether they can do that kind of work <laughs> family juggle um are there any kind of practical solutions you found that were really useful in terms of returning to work I think in the early days in those early days when your children aren't in school yet and um and you're at work it's very easy to get mum guilt and work guilt and I think my advice, and it doesn't always work and nobody's perfect, is try and go to the things that matter. And that works for work and that works for home. Because if you go out of your way to go to a work event that's in the evening and you sit there in the evening and think, this is this wasn't worth it. This isn't this wasn't pivotal in my career. And then you get home and see your children sleeping. That's when the mum guilt kicks in. So you think, why wasn't I at home when I could have been? And that can lead to resentment and that can spiral really quickly where you feel resentful of different things. And equally, making that effort to be at something that's important to your children. Because when you, because when you get there, you feel like you've made the most with them. Um, actually, to phrase that slightly differently... It's also when you go to an event, a work event that is fantastic. And I've gone out of my way to get childcare for an event. And I have gone and I have met people and I've networked and I have glowed and I have loved it. And I've come home and seen my children sleeping. 
and I have thought I know I've missed a bedtime tonight but I've had a brilliant night and it has meant something and it has been pivotal and so with work it's really important to look forward we don't always get it right we go to things that we think are going to be great and they're not or we go to things that maybe vice versa but I think my advice would be really pick out the things that you're going to enjoy being at at work and that helps because even when they were little the children would say to me where were you last night mummy and or they'd see me dressed up if I was wearing a nice dress oh where are you off to tonight I say I've got a work event and they're oh you look beautiful you're all dressed up and you know they're proud of you they see their mum taking care of what they're doing or the next day where were you last night I said oh I met somebody I tell them a story and I make it a story and they think this when you're not with them you're having this fantastic time and they're, they're excited for you they're not seeing the energy that you're you come home downtrodden or anything you know so that would be my tip is look forward look for the events that matter and make sure at those and don't sweat the ones that you don't make I think that's really helpful actually trying to be selective and do things where you can really add value and leave leave aside the things where you don't yeah definitely I also thought the way that you phrased that in terms of the switching the mindset that the second time you phrased it was actually really helpful because um, this is all a choice. And actually, if you think of it as a really positive thing that you're doing and think of it as you've chosen to do that event because that event will mean a lot to you or does mean a lot to you and is an important event, then actually it gives you, it brings you such kind of, self-worth and um self-confidence etc which then your children see and they see kind of as you said you know the, you use the word glowing um they see that side of you and they see that it 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 gives you such a sense of joy you're not kind of just coming down you know coming home downtrodden and sad and tired and stressed and actually it's important for them to see that positive side of working as well yeah exactly and I think like I said it can spiral so easily when um, you come home and they can pick up on it in the morning maybe you're trying to hug them with a guilt hug or something and they know that something's not quite right whereas when you when you're glowing and you're excited about what you're doing they pick up on that and they're excited for you definitely sort of happy mum happy baby that's it yeah. out of interest <laughs> um thinking about your sort of career experience would you be a proponent of your children go to university or would you be interested in them looking for other other avenues and other options just out of interest I'm going to try and not have too many opinions on what they choose to do I say that now but you can ask me in 10 years when they're <laughs> choosing to go and do something completely off the beaten track um I think I think I'm I'm excited to see what journey they're going to take and I think my parents and a lot of my family have always been really supportive of some of my choices because they've just seen my passion and what I've done. So as long as I see the passion and that they're happy, that's all that will matter to me. Amazing. I've also got a question sort of looking back as a whole. Um, I often get asked by uh, younger women, what, what, what is the best time to have children? Um, because I think kind of more and more women are having children in their thirties and in your 30s can be such a pivotal time for your career you can really just be starting to heat, hit that peak or looking for those promotions to director or partner etc and that can sometimes clash with having children which is um potentially unhelpful and so i'm interested in your experience of having had 
children at sort of age 23, 24. Um, and therefore, by the time you've got to your 30s, um, actually, you've, you know, you're out of that nappy stage. Um, and you're um, presumably now kind of, you know, on a on a great career tra trajectory. So I'd just be interested in, in your thoughts on that um, for any uh, woman who's looking up and thinking about when it's best to start a family. Well, I think there's a lot of pressure in just generally for people to be financially secure, to have, you know, a three bedroom house and a driveway and all these things already set up before they even have a child. They're expected to already, you know, have things locked down. And there's a lot of of pressure I think to be married first and things like that that I think hopefully are changing because I think with any journey with any family the timing can the timing has to be right for that person and other situations might not be right they might be living too far from family and they want to move home first and maybe that is important for that person but equally if the timing feels right then everything else does fall into place is what I've I found for myself and other mums and I think in terms of ages what what age you have a child like I said to you earlier I've never reflected too much on the age I've been or the age I wanted to be and I don't think everyone always has that choice it depends when they met their partner or what's what situation they are in life obviously we just happened to be in the right time in the right place and we were 23 and it and it does sound really young but equally you know, we could have met a lot older or some some other path might have taken us. So I do just believe in just sounds a bit cheesy, but trust your destiny, trust the timing of your life. I love that. I think it's a really good point to not not want everything to be perfect before you. It's never going to be the perfect time. You're never going to have the perfect house, the perfect job, the perfect everything. You've got to at some point just go for it. No. And I think I've we as a couple have amassed so much of our our happiness wealth our wealth our life the, the things that we aspire to because of our children we didn't have them before we didn't have them at 23 but and if we hadn't had children we might still be living in a one bedroom flat which would have been lovely as well but because we had to provide for people we pushed ourselves more because we had to we wanted a certain way for our children and a life for our children we pushed ourselves a lot further and I think we've achieved more in 10 years than potentially we could have or would have without children. That's a fascinating way to look at it. And I really love that. That's something I'm definitely going to take away. So thank thank you so much. It's okay. What, what next for Sarah? <laughs> what are the career aspirations? Um, the business is growing massively and I'm absolutely loving every step at the minute. Um, where we are now, we're at about 85, 90 staff across about four or five locations which is which is amazing and um, I'm really excited just to see the business grow and develop you know we want it we want the business to be a brand that's recognized to be known for excellence and locally that's definitely happening locally that has happened you know we are known in the areas that we're in so it's just watching us grow across the UK and hopefully I can help keep the culture that's my main target keep the the supportive um culture that we have in the business even in a bigger business because it will be hard if there's hundreds of staff how do you maintain that culture but it's a goal of mine it's an aim of mine that's what I'd like to do 
Brilliant. Well, we have a tradition on our podcast where we ask all of our guests uh, what the biggest high and biggest low has been on their motherhood and return to work journey. So I'd love to hear from you um, what those uh, key points have been for you along the way. For me, the high is actually doing it, actually living it. Um, it's been an amazing journey. It's been a roller coaster. And as I said, I'm, I'm my children in school now and, and things are much more settled. But, um, you know, reflecting back, it's been really, really nice being able to reflect back on my journey because it's not something I've done really before. But um, I think my highs are probably for me when I'm quite lucky that we live quite near to our head office and um, my children have been into the office quite a few times. And over the years, you know, I really love when they come in and they go and help themselves to a pack of crisps from the tuck shop drawer and they run and find my desk and they write me a little note on a little poster and leave it on my desk. And it's not often, maybe a couple of times a year they come in, but I love seeing them in my in my environment because that is my place. And I like the overlap. They aren't there often, but seeing them in my place that belongs to me, you know, that's my place I go to to work every day. I'm, I care about so much and seeing them come in and treat it with respect and enjoy being there. It's just really lovely. Amazing. And your low? I think the lows are in some of those early years, you can lose yourself a little bit because you're bottom of the pile, especially if you're a working mother. There isn't any time maybe for the gym to get your nails or hair done maybe you're not catching up with your friends as much not having those relaxing baths you know those things can get lost along the way and it doesn't take long before you know your self-preservation engine kicks in and you start looking after yourself again um, and I think looking back on some of those early days you know I don't think I ate very well I was sleep deprived you know grabbing a shower when I could it was it was it was tough and it was about um yeah just looking after yourself and I think everyone goes through those lows but thankfully you've got someone supportive beside you or someone at work that helps you to have a hot drink hot coffee and a minute to yourself and then you're back on your feet and off you go and it's always good to hear from people who are out the other side of those baby days that that everything is temporary <laughs> Hot coffee's all round. Yeah. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for talking to us this evening. We really appreciate it. We know how busy you are. Um, it's been fascinating to hear your story and the path that you and your husband have forged for your family, which I think is really inspirational. Um, thank you so much for sharing um, the story about your, your daughter and the vulnerability that you showed, which I think will be amazingly helpful for other people to listen to um, and take strength from. So we really, really appreciate that. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you and all the best with the next phase of the growth of your business. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to our new Women Who Work podcast. Please help us to grow our listenership by subscribing, reviewing and commenting. And please do share with any friends or colleagues who you think may find this useful. Also join us on LinkedIn or sign up to the mailing list on our website, www.womanwhowork.uk to ensure that you never miss any of our content. If you'd like to be involved with Women Who Work or have any ideas for us, then please do get in touch on email at hello at womanwhowork.uk. Thanks again.